Football on Off The Ball. With Sky, it's an unmissable Super Sunday with Chelsea versus Liverpool, live only on Sky Sports. Now, as the Premier League contends with the uncertainty of COVID cases and uh, postponed games, no better way to get some reliability than talk to John Giles this evening. John, how are you? I'm good, Arthur. Still, still keeping out of trouble, fingers crossed. <laughs> That's the way to do it. <laughs> How have you enjoyed the holidays? Yeah, so far so good. So far so good. I don't know what we do without the football afterwards anyway. God, no, it'll be awful boring. Yeah. You've yeah. been keeping tabs anyway on everything? Well, as much as I can, Arthur. You know, there's some matches postponed, as we know, but there's still been quite, uh, quite a few matches, quite interesting ones. Yeah, unfortunately not the kind of interest people want, or, well, not the kind of interest Man United fans will be happy with in recent weeks. No. Uh, well, they have, I don't think they've been happy for a long time, Arthur, but I'd say um, the Newcastle match was a real a real downer for them. I think it's the worst performance I've seen from Manchester United from a long time. Well, dating back, right back into Solskjaer and Mourinho? Well, yeah, I think it's going back from... Oh, yeah, certainly Solskjaer. Well, certainly since Ferguson left. I think after that, um, when they, 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 Moyes, he came in, uh, David Moyes came in, looked looked okay with his record, and Reno coming in, um, you know, the Dutch lad coming in, and it's I don't think they ever had those those managers had the power that Ferguson had when he was there. I think he he ran everything. He, he got whoever he wanted in, he got whoever he wanted out, and he was really in charge of the situation. I don't think uh, any of the managers since Ferguson was really in charge of what they wanted, uh, particularly Solskjaer. Is that power or authority? Is that something you take or something you're given? Um, well, it's 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 something you have to demand. I think when you're going into the job, um, I think F- Fergie had that attitude that he was going to be in charge. But he didn't make a very good start. But he was well backed, and when he got in charge of it, he was really in charge of it. Yeah. And uh, you know, for a long time, as we know, what over twenty years, uh, that was the way it was. And uh, I think when the new managers came in, and it's only my take on it, I don't think they had the power and authority that uh, Fergie had when he was there. No, they're certainly not displaying it. And I mean, it's even it's interesting now that Ralph Rangnick, in the last kind of well, since the Newcastle draw as kind of even he's sounding out now about kind of being a little bit surprised maybe by how he's found things and I don't think I think he said himself like it's, it's not gone really as even he planned even though he's only been there a few weeks and Covid has hit them pretty hard but um, yeah. it's not going as he thought it would No I, I, I think everybody expected uh, the results to be a lot better and the performances to be a lot better I did uh, I don't know I don't know the new manager at all but I thought when he was making his comments in the paper uh, in the papers it was. Well, I thought, well, that's good. He's making sense in that. But, uh, but my take on it, uh, Arthur, is I think when you have an interim boss, it's, it very, very seldom works. And I think what they, I think what they should have done was to say to this Ralph uh, Ranrich, uh, give him an eighteen-month contract, right? See out the season, do his best this season. But interim. And not only my experience in football, when you're a footballer, my experience of it was that you had to believe the manager was there forever. And you were going to be there forever. And you played and you played for him 
he was going to look after your, your contracts and, and who you were dealing with on the players. Uh, that's that was that was my attitude uh, and my take on it when I was a player. And I think once you say interim, there's a good chance he won't be there next year. Yeah. And the players know that, right? So you have to believe you're there forever together. And and if you get an interim manager, you're not. He's not. There's a good chance he won't be there next year. So all the things that he wants to do tactically and everything else, it doesn't get the same response from the players as a permanent manager. That's what I believe is the, is the big problem there now because they've got big uh, reputation lads there with with Fernandez and Ronaldo, uh, a lot a lot of other players, and they know the way it's been told to us that he won't be there next year. The manager won't be next year. The most important player in the person in the club where you have to deal with him, you have to believe it, that's how you get the morale going. And if they know now, and don't forget all players, Arthur, don't get on well together. <laughs> you know, they don't get on well together. They do it on the pitch because they're professional and the manager makes them and dictates. That's what they do. But if you've got a manager that's not going to be there next year, then you've got maybe, maybe, I mean, uh, Gary Neville referred to it last week, where Ronaldo wasn't doing it, Fernandez wasn't doing it. You don't know what's going on in the dressing room. But the great managers unite a dressing room, and they're in charge, and, and many managers, uh, players do what they're telling them to do. So you build the morale up, even though players might not necessarily get on or agree with him what he's doing. Right in Fergie's case, I think Fergie did it. Obviously, he was a big, real manager. He didn't care what the players thought, and, and I don't think Klopp does. I think any of the great managers don't. This is what you do. This is what I want you to do. I'm the manager. I'm in charge of the situation. Now we've had three years of Solskjaer. He wouldn't be in that situation, in my opinion, Arthur. And bringing this lad in now, uh, Ralph, as an interim boss. And if, if you're an interim boss. Players say, well, what's going to happen next year? Is he going to be here? Is he not going to be here? And the way they were talking was that he was there on a temporary basis, that he wouldn't be there next year, or he'd be there in a different role. So it's a total mess. Are you surprised? I mean, granted, he's not the most experienced manager, say, like, but given his experience in football mm. with Ralph Rangnick, are you surprised he walked into that situation, kind of knowing, as you were saying, like that... It's not that you're kind of you are. It is. It is odd. It's odd in any, I suppose, dynamic in any workplace where you're like, well, this guy's not going to be here in a few months' time. So, I suppose, where what what will happen to me? Well, it, I, I don't know is the answer really, Arthur, because he's he's. I think he's 63 years of age now, and uh, it's probably an opportunity. His last opportunity in management, and also there could be a financial situation attached to it as well, uh, Arthur. You know, yeah. uh, we don't know, but. Uh, I mean, he's, he's been around long enough to know the situation uh, that I'm talking about, whether it be interim or not. Now, whether he's, he's made a personal uh, uh, deal with them or not, I don't know. But certainly, he, if, he's, if he's going to be back next year, definitely the player should know that. And he's, uh, uh, sorry, he's in the game long enough to know that that is the situation. So they haven't said at United that he's going to be there next year. They haven't said that. He said he could be there in a different capacity. Yeah. Uh, well, that's, a, that's not manager. That's a different situation altogether. So I think he has taken it uh, in the situation now that he's uh, an interim manager. And what he might be thinking, and I don't know what he's thinking, is that if I do a really good job now, they'll keep me on. Yeah. Right? Now, I think it's the opposite way around. I think United should be saying, to him, right, you're in now, you're back next season. It'll give him a much better chance 
for the club and to himself to do a good job this year because if the players think he's only interim manager he won't get the response in my opinion No and it doesn't seem to be going that way I mean it was interesting I suppose in light of the Newcastle result that Gary Neville as well talking about the fact like I, I suppose he was somewhat critical of Ragnick and the style but more so he was kind of what he labelled I think Ronaldo and Fernandez whingers and kind of yes. he certainly seemed to be laying the blame more at the players door than any manager's door if you know what I mean I don't yeah, know well, that, that, that's not unusual because if, the, if, the, if they're not doing what the manager wants them to do which seems to be the case well I think Gary Neville is right to pick on the players I mean, he's on about Ronaldo running off after the match and Fernandes moaning and groaning and they're not getting on with each other. You know, that, that's... I, I think that uh, uh, Rannick himself is surprised at the situation in the dressing room. Yeah. You know, I, just listening to him after the match and I, I think he's surprised. Now, if, you, if you're not getting a response from the players in the manner in which you want them to play, then you've no chance... And that seems to be the case, certainly against Newcastle. Because I, 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 I'd say he was surprised himself. I mean, the comments he made in the paper, I said, I'm disappointed with the response of the players. I think he's really, really disappointed that the players are not giving him uh, what they should be giving him on the pitch for what he wants. That's the way it looks to me. And I think that goes back to the interim manager. You're dealing with loads of individuals, strong characters, and Ronaldo and Fernandez. They might think, well, I don't, don't agree with the way we're playing. I don't agree with what he's doing. Uh, so, therefore, what he's trying to get from the players and what he wants, he's not getting. So it's a bit of a mess, Arthur, to be honest. You know, <laughs> yeah. I, think they, I think if they're going to bring him in as an interim manager... Uh, I think giving them the 18 months contract would have been better so as the players would know he's the manager he's going to be there next year and next year is the most important thing to, ma- to managers to get a response uh, from, sorry from the players to get a response from them they know he's interim manager and I think like Sir Ronaldo and, and Fernandes and a lot of other strong uh, characters in the club who might not be getting on with each other before he came certainly won't do what he wants them to do and that's the way it looks to me and I suppose in the likelihood that we're back, I suppose in whatever five six months time now, and say it doesn't go to plan, and 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 Ragnick moves into whatever other role he's doing, yeah. I mean, do you think it's a case that there's any? I don't. You don't necessarily. Need, I suppose who who takes the job next, but I mean, is this kind of a chronic problem that's going to happen regardless of who comes in, or do you need to give someone almost a Ferguson like sort of remit to come in and do whatever you want to do, and we trust but, you? Yeah, but where? Yeah, well, where where are the Ferguson? <laughs> types today. Right? I mean, there was one hanging around for a, a, a good while. That was uh, Antonio Conte. Yeah. Right. Now, you see what he's done. Well, I think he's done a really, really top-class job at Spurs. Even in the short time, you got, you got a response. And he's getting a response from the players. But he, but he's a proven manager. You know, Fergie, Fergie did it over a period of time, which was great. And obviously, that's what you're looking for. But they, they, they I don't think they ever gave any of the managers that came in after Ferguson the freedom and the power that Fergie had himself after well no I think you're I think you're spot on to be honest and speaking of the man himself it's um, Alex Ferguson's 80th birthday tomorrow and I think uh, everything kind of has been said at this stage about his managerial career and it's all fairly straightforward but looking back you played against him in I think twice 1968 the Fairs Cup quarter final Leeds and Rangers Yes, yes. I remember. I remember going back. I remember the long time. I think we beat them at uh, 
at Leeds. I think we scored a penalty that night. I think we beat, we knocked them out. Well, anyway, we beat them over the two legs. And Fergie, yes, Fergie was a Rangers player, centre forward uh, at that particular time. Um, he mm-hmm. was. Uh, I, I don't think he had a, a good time around. I think he was only there two seasons, Arthur. Yeah. I don't think he really made it. Um, really made it as a top player in Scotland at that time. I mean, now there were a, there were a lot of uh, of terrific players in Scotland around that time. I mean, it's not it's not like that now, but in, in those years, there was a, like two or three Scottish players always came down from Scotland. Top Scottish players came down, uh, but I don't think he really set 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 uh, Rangers fans alight. I think he was only there for a couple of seasons, Arthur. So he, I think he was a much better manager than he was a player. <laughs> so he, did, he didn't make much of an impression on you that day anyway, or either of those no, days? No, he was okay. He, he was okay, but he wasn't, uh, he wasn't up there with the, with the top yeah. with the top players. Definitely not. But, but he, was, he, was a good, he was a good player, but he wasn't, he wasn't uh, you know, one of the top, really top notchers. And I kind of, it's interesting, I suppose, looking back, it, it's, it's so... Um, in light of everything that happened, and you kind of remember now that period, kind of the late 80s when he was struggling at United. And I mean, I don't know. I mean, obviously you were keenly watching still at the time. Um, it's a little bit before my own time. But I, I kind of, I, I'd be interested to know because it's so kind of contrary now to where we are. And I suppose he, in some ways, was following in the shadow of Matt Busby, even then, who you know, obviously, far closer um, yeah, I, I, well, he, he, I think he had a big job to do. Yeah, uh, I think. I mean, he, he, there was Busby was was sort of one of the great managers of all time, as we know. Had gone by then. There had been a few managers in. Uh, you know, Tommy Doctor had been in. Uh, Frank O'Farrell. There was about four or five managers in uh, before he came in, and he, he didn't have a good start. But I think where he where he was a bit fortunate. I think Bobby Charlton was on the board at that time. And he would have been one of the players that selected him. And from what I know, heard, anyway, Bobby really backed him. Yeah. You know, he didn't make a good start, but he gave him that time. And then once he got it going, obviously, the, well, there was no stopping him then. And where he, he, he was very brave, and, and when he when he was he had experienced players, and uh, he brought the young lads in. You know, Beckham and the Nevilles, and uh, of course he got Roy Keane, uh, and they became a great side. Uh, from there, but he, but he, the time he brought the young players in, um, I think it was a, the Liverpool player said that you don't you don't win anybody with, with youngsters. Yeah, and he went on to, from success to success <laughs> with with brilliant players, as we saw, you know, Skulls and and, and Beckham and the uh, Gigs. Uh, you know, these were turned out to be actually great players. Yeah, and then he got Roy Keane in as well, which 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 made him even better. Helped, so yeah. you know he took, he had the courage to change a team that had, had I think they finished second in the league, Arthur, at that time, and he got rid of about four four experienced players and brought these young lads in, and that changed them totally. Then they went on to be, you know, one of the great sides of all time, and and one of the most successful managers of all time. Yeah, that was a master stroke and a big risk. Having been there a few times as a delegate, the lobby. Hang on a second. Well, you've kept this completely buried forever. Well, only ever as an underage delegate. So, well, what does an underage delegate mean? Someone that's not 60. <laughs> yeah, exactly. OTB AM. Live. Weekday mornings from 7 30 on the OTB Sports app. I suppose moving on from Man United, um, it's not been, it wasn't a great week for them, but it wasn't the best of weeks for Liverpool or Chelsea either in terms of the title race. Whereas well, Man, no, uh, it was. <laughs> Great week for Chelsea, all right, because they got the three points. Although I watched them last, they didn't play very well. 
but they got away with it. They, 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 were, they, they did okay just to win it. Uh, but Liverpool, Liverpool on the night was sluggish. I thought they were very sluggish by their standards. Yeah. Uh, and and maybe gone into Leicester like they'd they'd beaten Leicester the week before. And Leicester did extremely well because it's so many young players coming into the side. But there again, if you don't take your chances, uh, as we know, after any match, they missed a penalty. Very unlike Salah to miss a penalty. And then Manning missed a great chance after him. So they should have gone two up, which would have made a huge, as we know, huge. That's all lifts and buts. But Leicester came back into it well. You know, they fought well. They came back into it. A lot of young players come, coming, coming into the side, inexperienced players. So it was a bad night for Liverpool. In the, It's such a close race, especially with uh, uh, Manchester City going to win again. But, you know, this might sound strange, but I don't think Manchester City are playing particularly well at the moment. You know, I watched the Leicester match the week before. They won it, I think it was, what was it, 6-3. And, and it was a good win. And they're, they're going to obviously top of the table. But uh, they're not winning in a way that you could say, this was a really good performance. I thought they got away with it a bit last night. But there again, Liverpool have to do the stuff. Chelsea are, are slipping up badly. I think they're, 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 they're the worst team in the Premiership for losing late goals, Arthur. Yeah. I just saw the stats this morning. You know, they're winning matches and they're, they're must be, they've lost loads and loads of points from a winning position, which you can't afford to do. So it'll still be a good race, I think. But City, City had a very, very good week. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, and look, uh, Football and Off the Ball is brought to you by Sky. All the football you love in one place across Sky Sports, BT Sport and Premier Sports. Actually, looking ahead, I suppose, to the games to come, it could be a case, just the way the games fall, that Man City go 12 points ahead. Now, I know there's games to be played and everything, but they could be 12 points ahead of Liverpool anyway come this weekend. I think they're playing first, they're playing Arsenal. Um, psychologically... Yeah, I but it could, go, it could go the other way, Arthur. It could Arthur. Go, it could as, <laughs> as we know, you know, Liverpool could win, they might lose. You never, you never know, there's a long way to go, we're only halfway through. But, but what I'm trying to say, in the same way, okay, Liverpool have to play better than they did the other night. And, and that's very, very unlike them to miss the chances they did. But looking at City, you know, they, they, they haven't got an out-and-out striker, as we know, and they're doing extremely well, there's no doubt about that, Arthur. But the matches they're winning, I don't think they're winning them well, as well as they could be for being on top of the league, because there's a long, long way to go yet, and, and all I'm saying is it's, it's not over yet, but it's very hard to, to, to look ahead and say, well, you know, they could do this, they could do that. I mean, at the, before the matches played the other day, uh, you wouldn't have fancied uh, sorry, Manchester City to go far, so far ahead of Chelsea and, and, uh, and Liverpool. It happens, but there's a long way to go yet. Well, psychologically, I mean, you've been involved in plenty of title races at Leeds. I mean, would you prefer to be leading the pack or chasing? No, leading. Okay. <laughs> oh, leading all, all the time. Yeah, if you're really going to win it, you know, the, like we, we, we won it one when it was 42 matches with two defeats. And it's, it's consistency. Because a lot of them, I mean, I know it's down to 38 matches, but it's not enough. But you need a consistency. And what's happening at the moment is is upsetting everything really at them with this virus because players are getting injured, they're playing too many matches, all the various things. It's diff- even different this season uh, than than in certainly in my times where we didn't have that type of uh, what you would call interference where you were just playing match every week and that was it. Now it's strange, Arthur. You know, like Liverpool, uh, sorry, I think Chelsea had two injuries again yesterday. Yeah, and this is going to happen. You know, looking enough for Manchester City, not lucky enough. They have a they have a big panel. <laughs> yeah, 
you know, Liverpool have a fairly big panel as well. So that, that, that's a definite help. But it's, I definitely wouldn't think it's over yet. Now, if it's going to be anybody, I'd say it's Liverpool that could uh, change things. And I suppose looking at Man City from their point of view, obviously the Premier League is something that they've it's done and dusted. Not it's not done and dusted, but they've done and they've done it before, and mm. they know how to win it. I mean, do you think they still need a striker? Maybe if they want to push on in Europe, does it make any difference there? Um, well, I I think they've done extremely well without a striker. I think yeah. obviously they'd be much better if they signed Harry Kane, then it'd be a different story altogether. To be honest, because he could he can get his. 30, 40 goals a season, as Aguero did. But they don't have anybody like that. You know, they just don't. Uh, now, they've done extremely well for, the, for all the players to, 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 ch- to chip in there and, and do what they're doing. But I'm just saying that they're not as convincing in the match, two matches I've seen them play that they've won that you would maybe expect them to be. But there again, they've done extremely well without having that striker. Yeah, and it is. It's kind of it's interesting how every year almost this seems to be this seems to be the kind of the point where they kick on, and they rack up nearly double figures wins in a row. And it's yeah. kind of it. well, that's it. You know, every season is different. Yeah. You never know. All I'm saying is that I wouldn't, I wouldn't write Liverpool. I'm not saying anybody is. Yeah, write Liverpool out of it. I definitely think Liverpool still have a chance, despite the fact that there's so many points behind now. Yeah. And look, it's interesting you speak about the kind of the disruption that COVID is bringing and it is kind of almost just pockmarked around different clubs depending on where it falls. But it was just over the Christmas, there was a brilliant documentary on about the the big freeze of 1962-63 in the UK. And obviously you at that stage, I think you were 22 when you were in what would be your last season at Man United. But I'm just yes. wondering, obviously everything came to a halt. But what, yes. what, what do you do as a footballer, I suppose, when you're, everything is just stopped? <laughs> uh, well, funny. Well, you, you, you're training every day. Now, the, the conditions weren't very good for training because it was a foggy. It was, it was awful uh, weather, fro- freezing uh, weather. But uh, funny enough, Arthur, we, we played two exhi- exhi- well, we call them exhibition friendly matches, and we played one in in, in Dublin against uh, Coventry at uh, at Shamrock Rovers ground, and we played in Cork during that time. Uh, against Bolton Wonders, who were the first division team at that time. So we got a couple of matches in, uh, although even when we played in Cork, the conditions there weren't so good, but we played anyway. Uh, but there was, you, you could go in training. I yeah. mean, it's not, it, that was the weather. It wasn't the virus like this, Arthur. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It, despite the weather not being good and that. And it, it, and it was the same for everybody. Like It was off for six weeks. It's not like now where some teams are playing and some teams are not playing, and it's 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 uh, it's, it's very very confusing to say the least. But at those times, it was about six weeks off, but it was it was off for everybody in the country: second division, third division, fourth division, first division, and they went, it went a month a month behind. Um, at that Manchester United, that was we won we won the cup that year actually. Yeah, we beat Leicester in the cup, and, um, and that was in. Normally it's the first week in May and I think it was the first week in June by the time we could play the cup final. Well, what I was fascinated by, like it was, it was really interesting, like lakes and rivers and everything were all freezing over. I mean, yeah. I, I don't know how far you were living from Old Trafford. Like, how would you get in and out to training? Well, in, do, in those days, the players didn't have that much money. I, I was in digs with, with uh, Nobby Styles' parents, Nobby and okay. his parents, <laughs> and that was a bus ride in. So we didn't have cars. I didn't have a car till till I was 22. So you get the bus in, and 
I remember waiting for the bus that uh, up and up where Nobby lived, and actually it had to be fifteen yards from him before you could even tell the number. After. God, it was that it was that bad, and then you got into the ground, so you could train uh, in the ground, you know, around the ground, and 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 that you couldn't train on the pitch because it was iced up. Uh, but you, you could you could get some sort of training in anyway. It sounds it must have been surreal, just the experience of it. And as you mentioned there as well, you did go on. I know it was a difficult season in the league, but you went on to win the cup, and that was the first. I kind of didn't realise I was looking back. That was the first trophy. Manchester United, well, first major trophy Man United had won since the Munich air disaster, obviously uh, six, five, six years earlier. Yes, it was. Yeah, it was the first time. It was the first time they won the cup from 1948. Actually, oh. I remember I was a Manchester United supporter when I was a kid from a distance, Arthur, and I remember win. I remember them winning the cup uh, when they photographed the paper and the great Jackie Carey, our player, Jackie Carey, uh, captain Manchester United in 1948. He's one of our great players. He was a full football of the year. So 1948 uh, was, and it was 1963 by the time they won, won the cup. And what was great, I, I really enjoyed it after the match because you have a do after the match. The, 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 most of the 1948 team were invited to the do afterwards. Oh. Now, I'd never met them before. There would be the Henry Coburn, Jackie, well, I, I don't admit Mr. Carey because he was manager of the Irish team when I was first capped. Um, but Charlie Mitten and, and, and Henry Coburn, uh, Jackie Rowley. I knew all the I knew all the players from a distance, but it was a great thrill to actually meet them. You know, from from uh, nineteen forty eight when they were my heroes. Yeah, that's incredible, and I suppose then that's famously from there. You're not a Man United player much longer. You strike out on your own. Well, I I, I played in the Charity Shield. Okay. Uh, that's it. And that was my last match for Manchester United. Yeah. So I just I lucky enough to get into the cup final and then I was I was on my way to Leeds from there, Arthur. The rest is yeah. history. Look, John, it's been an absolute privilege talking to you again and keep well, enjoy the football. Man United coming up shortly now. Yeah. And uh, have a good night. Thanks, Arthur. I'll speak to you again. Football on Off The Ball With Sky It's an unmissable Super Sunday With Chelsea versus Liverpool Live only on Sky Sports